Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, where we break down the best fights with a sense of humor. And now, your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's edition of Punches and Punchlines. Thank you for bearing with us as uh, we are on our summer hours right now. We are uh, uh, still watching the fights but uh, kind of at our own pace and getting to recording when we can. So we certainly appreciate your patience. When life uh, sucks again, we'll probably be on a more regular schedule. But uh, right now, life is great. We're uh, traveling across the country. I don't feel bad about it because I'm vaccinated. So you ready to break down these fights, Franco? Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Amokar Vidal, 25 years old, coming in at 12 and 0 versus Emmanuel Alim, 27 years old, coming in at 18, 2 and 2. Now, Franco, this was a fun fight. This was the first fight on that televised card for Showtime on Saturday, July 17th, which is a great day, Franco. It's a a wonderful day, the July 17th. You know, it's uh, where my odometer turned over one more time. Uh, So I got to celebrate my birthday with uh, some wonderful boxing. I watched it at uh, Chad Daniels' house in the upper north of Minnesota. Yeah, I'm giving him a shout out because he's not able to join us for this episode. That was supposed to be our surprise guest, but he Uh. has uh, promised to uh, record record with us in the next few weeks so uh listeners will have that to look forward to yeah him and i stayed up on uh on my birthday had a couple drinks and took in this boxing and the action started out right away yeah all right well at least it did on on videl's part all right um (laughs) you know aleem was a little more active in the first round but then it seemed like videl was the one controlling the action throughout Mm -hmm. up until toward the end of the fight i'd say he was running out of gas but that's because he was leaving it all in the ring you know what i mean like yeah this was apparently a controversial decision one judge had it 95 95 so a draw Mm -hmm. and then the other two judges had it uh 97 93 i had it 96 94 okay so i wasn't too far off from the other judges but i did have videl win in this fight i just thought that aleem was too patient Mm -hmm. at times and was not landing enough shots where i know you're not supposed to give points for aggressiveness or whatever but i did like i thought he was controlling the action and dictating the pace of the fight so i thought videl was landing the more meaningful shots that's why i felt comfortable giving him the decision yeah i like your score uh, I actually scored it 95-95 draw, so I had that down. But then I could see on some of the rounds giving it to Vidal. But then the like the 97-93, I know that's not that big of a difference, but I couldn't like wrap my head around that score. But I did feel like the right guy ended up winning. I Again, I scored it as a draw, but if we were going to lean one way or the other, I was leaning a little bit towards Vidal. I liked the whole first of all there were other fights on this card they just weren't broadcast on showtime so that was kind of a bummer that we only have three fights this week but the production and you know it was in san antonio in front of a big crowd i did like all of that and so like right out the gate to start off the night with jimmy lennon jr coming out and and this being like an action-packed fight even though the first round sucked like the crowd straight up started booing them for not giving them more action and it's almost like the guys were like Oh, I didn't realize the cameras were on. And then they ramped it up for the rest of the fight. Super exciting fight. Yeah, like in the third round, I'd say where the action really picked up. And that's where I'd say Vidal started landing to the body and was not abandoning it at any point. He Mm -hmm. 
would deliver a couple up top, but always managed to get that one in downstairs. And we've seen enough fights where if you land your shots to the body, the guard will start to come down and then you can land your shots to the head. That might've been the difference in the fight, especially when I only had it, you know, six rounds to four, those Mm -hmm. body shots were making the difference. And I just, you know, I thought Aleem looked great in this fight, but it's still six rounds to four. I've given it to Vidal. I just, you know, I hate to not necessarily shit on Aleem's effort because he really was putting on a good fight, especially from six on. There were some really close rounds that I gave to Vidal that could have gone for Aleem, but Mm -hmm. I still scored it how I scored it. I just thought that when you look at the end of the fight, Aleem looked like he could have gone 12 or 14 rounds yeah. where uh, some people will be like, oh, he looked fresher. He looked ready to go. But I don't see that as a positive. You know, I see that as a leave it all in the ring, man. Like, let it go. When you know you have 10 rounds to do, if you're going to empty the tank in the ninth and 10th, then, you know, instead of, you know, just conserving and serving, you know, there's no overtime in boxing, you know, like leave <laughs> it all out there. You have a certain amount of time, empty the tank. I totally agree. If anything, I think that Aline was putting in more work for a lot of those rounds where he was kind of like pressing the action and throwing more punches but it was it was quantity it wasn't quality and when when Vidal was landing punches like those counted you know what I mean it was like those were choice beautiful punches and and the combos some of the combos were just out of this world but it was kind of like McDonald's versus Culver's or even McDonald's versus Gibson Steakhouse or Gibson Steakhouse you know you're getting quality you're you're paying for a good cut of meat but on the other hand if you're looking at it from a business point of view Aleem is McDonald's and he selling more burgers doesn't mean that they're better burgers and his punches weren't necessarily better he was selling more they just they weren't as good as as the gibsons or as what vidal was putting out there you know right Rolando Ramiro, 25 years old, coming in at 13 and 0 versus Anthony Yigit, 29 years old, coming in at 24, 1 and 1. And not, I will say this right off the top, not just because I or we or most people I watch this fight with do not like Rolando Ramiro. <laughs> I will give credit to Anthony Yigit for having almost a two year layoff and then stepping up for this kind of fight. He stepped up in weight too, because he did not make weight for this fight. The imaginary belt that was on the line uh, was only on the line for Romero because uh, Yigit came in at basically 140. Yeah. So one weight class up and then credit to Romero for hanging with 140 pound dude. Uh, Whether he had rust or not, he hung with a guy who's got 24 wins and a former Olympian. Yeah. This was not a, not a chance. Definitely, you could see some ring rust coming in, and I think there's better days ahead for Anthony Yigit. But Romero was the better fighter in this one. I just did not love how he went about it. This fight had everything, Franco. It had uh, it had a wrestling takedown mm-hmm. uh, from our buddy Romero. Uh, hits with the elbow that caused the cut. There was uh, hits at the break that he lost a point for. Hits after the bell in the uh, in the sixth, but then the hit after the bell. Actually, maybe it was right at the bell. But and then there was the tackle in the seventh Mm -hmm. in the seventh he knocked him down legit he got up from that knockdown so romero tackled him you know it was a beautiful open field tackle uh he would not have he would not have got the uh the touchdown or the try if you like australian rules uh maybe he wouldn't have got the try yeah the open field tackle on that and then he knocked him down and the ref said all right that's enough you know it was pretty chippy and dirty but at the end of it i thought it was the right time to stop it yeah. you know romero said afterwards that he's ready to go to 140 i think he thinks because he beat a guy 140 in this fight that he's ready for tank davis and i would love to see that because 
because uh, I think Taken's going to kill him. And I, it would give me a good laugh to see our guy, Rolando Romero, who lost to uh, Jackson Moranias, but ended up still stealing that victory somehow from bad judging, which we can talk about in the next fight. Yeah, so that's what's uh, that's what's ahead for Romero. I don't think he's going to get the, the Tank Davis fight because there's no sizzle to Rolando Romero right now. You know, he, that's not going to sell tickets. Maybe if, you know, Romero changes his nickname to Boo, then he could just pretend that the crowd is chanting his name, you know, because there was plenty of boos when he was jumping up on the ropes. He loves playing the heel, and uh, I love him as the heel because uh, I was certainly rooting for him or rooting against him from the time the first bell rang till the time this uh, this ref called it. I completely agree with you that he was the better fighter. But I don't know about the better boxer because this dude was out there like it was an MMA fight. You know, it was he was throwing elbows. He was doing all this dirty stuff from beginning to end. Can you name a bigger heel? Like even the fact because heel isn't necessarily a boxing term. Usually that's something that you would describe something that's like pre-fabricated and predetermined like like professional wrestling but even Mauro Vernalo called him out and was like I don't know he's a heel but the thing that makes him a heel to me is that he doesn't like you said he plays up the heel I don't think he gets it that he's the bad guy like in his mind he's the good guy and he's just misunderstood but can you think of somebody who's a bigger natural heel than Rolando Romero? Uh, Not really, because nobody's a bigger fan of Romero than Romero. I think we've seen, we both went in with this fight against Mourinho's and Mourinho's served him up a big plate of humble pie. And he came to the press conference afterwards cocky and that's you know when you were lucky and i do mean lucky to get that decision because plenty of people would agree with me that jackson Mourinho has won that fight Mm -hmm. and to come in cocky after you were just given a gift you know it it uh automatically turned me off to the dude you know now i just got somebody to to root against but either way it sells tickets you know what i mean like yeah i watch i watch the yankees because i want them to lose you know like i <laughs> that still sells tickets so people don't care whether you're rooting for them or rooting against them as long as you're tuning in you know that's all that people really care about i hate this man with such a passion like there are few things that i hate in life i hate the cubs I used to hate the Packers. I still kind of do, I but now do. I, I, I was going to say I hate other teams more than them now, like Detroit. I, I hate the Detroit Lions more than I hate the Packers, but like they're still, you know, I still don't like them, but there's few things that I just have a pure Zoe Deschanel. I can't stand Zoe Deschanel. Oh, see, I love Zoe Deschanel and I don't understand how anybody could hate the Lions, but the, because they lose all the time, like. The only people that should hate the Lions are Lions fans. Like that's that's it, you know. It's, you know what? It was after I worked there, and I was just like, I just kept getting more and more upset. And then by the end of it, I was ready to leave Detroit, and I'm just like, screw this whole city, screw this team. You're just mad that it. they have a better field than Soldier Field. Like that's uh, that's everybody. something to be mad about right there. That yeah, <laughs> uh, the city of Detroit has a nicer stadium than we do in Chicago. So everybody yeah, I get does. being mad about that. <laughs> But Raleigh Romero just, it was to the point where I was like, am I giving this guy an unfair shake? Like, am I hating him for just no reason? Something I made up in my head. And then when he won the fight, quote unquote, when he won the fight, uh, he, you know, I mean, it it was a left uppercut that ended it, but between all the elbows and the takedowns and the forearms and all the dirty shots that led up to it, I, I can't even give him a fair shake. Like, screw this guy. But then he jumps up on the ropes and throws his hand up, and all of San Antonio in that arena booed him. 
And it felt like the validation that I needed where it's like, yeah, everybody hates this guy. Yeah. People eating, you know, a mile away from where the fight was just started booing all in unison and not even knowing why they're like, well, this just feels right. Boo. (laughs) And you know what? I, I agree with you. Him calling out tank Davis at 140 felt silly. I'd love to see it. I would like to propose him fighting Loma at 135 so that Loma could be the one to murder him. Like when I see Raleigh Romero on a card, I get so excited because I want to see him lose. It's it's kind of, you know, there have been fighters like this in the past. Floyd Mayweather Jr. We're, we're wanting him to lose sells tickets, but I, I want to see I want to see him get the big fight just to see him get destroyed because unlike Floyd Mayweather Jr., he can't hang. Like you can see the flaws in his game and you just want to see him get put in his place. And that's that's what I'm waiting for and I can't wait to see it. The second funniest thing uh, Romero has ever said came after this fight uh the first funniest was when he said that he knew that he beat jackson Mourinho's. that was hilarious but the first the second funniest thing he's ever said was nobody punches harder than him at 135 and that's just ridiculous yeah. like uh there's tiafimo lopez you know just to right off the top of my head there's like he hits way harder than you do dude i would say lomachenko is i don't know whether he hits harder but he's a way better boxer than this than this dude, you know. Yeah. And I would love to see him start facing some of the top 135. You know, he's got 14 wins now. He he's ready. He's ready for the big time. Let's uh let's see you step up. You know what? If anything, at 135, I don't think there's anybody else who makes louder noises when they're throwing punches because he sounded yeah. he sounded like a garden gnome humping a chipmunk. Like it was just this angry grunting, but it still sounded small, like a eh, eh, eh. oh my god, I hate him so much. I can't wait to see him lose. When I sat there watching this fight with uh, our friend Chad Daniels, he said, what did this guy eat before the fight? Because it sounds like he's dry heaving at every every time he throws a punch. I was like, yeah, that's what he sounds like all the time. It was annoying. He's the worst. Jermel Charlo, 31 years old, coming in at 34 and one versus Brian Castaño, 31 years old, coming in at 17, 0 and one. Now, Franco, a lot of the talk of this fight was the scoring, okay? Mm -hmm. The biggest punchline of this fight was the 117-111. I would love to see this dude interviewed and able to defend this card, Mm -hmm. but let's uh, dive into that in just a second. What I would like to say is just how great of a fight this was. If anything, I don't hate the draw. Don't love it. Don't agree with it, but I don't hate the draw. I don't think that that was a robbery. Yeah. All right. I gave it to uh, Castaño. I think that he should have walked away. The unified, undisputed 154 pound champ. Mm -hmm. Or as I had mentioned before, uh, I sat there watching this with Chad Daniels and he said, well, Charlo should at least have to give him one of his belts, you know, because (laughs) if he's got three and Castaño's got one, like they should both walk away with at least two after this draw. Like that's how it should have been played out, which I think would have been a great and funny idea like he had to choose which one he had to give up and we all know he would have gone with the uh wba belt because no nobody nobody cares about the wba belt that's he would have gone for he would have gone for the third belt which was the ring magazine belt obviously right he would just swerved everybody (laughs) well right that that was on the line and uh didn't get a didn't find a home because there was no. no no winner. So now this fight started out boring. Castaño uh, was landing in the first round and Charlo was waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, second round, you know, Charlo had a great flurry. All right, but other than that, I thought that the round was kind of Castaño. See, you I know, gave that of, one to Charlo. I gave second round. I gave second round to, to Charlo. 
Yeah. Same. Um, but I'm saying that it was because of that great flurry that, yeah. you know, like he just was landing a really good combination. And then in the third, it was where the action really started to kind of pick up, uh, at least from Castaño's side, because I thought that he had actually hurt Charlo. Oh yeah, at at the at at one point in that round, it wasn't like an action-packed round, but that's where I thought that Castaño found his range and then uh, had landed. And then uh, you know I kind of gave uh, the fourth round to Castaño as well, mm-hmm. and then it was kind of going going back and forth. You know where I had the fifth to Charlo, sixth to Castaño, uh, mm-hmm. seventh to Castaño, eighth to Castaño, ninth yep. to Charlo, you know, and it was just kind of going back and forth where I thought it was really just a wonderful fight. And then in that 10th, the 10th is what I wanted to focus on a little bit because okay. it was amazing on two fronts. All right. The fact that Charlo really did hurt Castaño in that round. It wasn't enough to make up for the to, for all the ground he had lost earlier in the fight, but in the 10th round, he did hurt him. And how Castaño stayed on his feet, because there was a minute 40 to go or more mm-hmm. when he was stunned, you know, and how he kept his feet for a minute 40 is incredible to me. You know what I mean? Like, he pulled out every every trick. He, you know, he, he danced around the ring. Yeah, you know, all over. <laughs> he tried to throw a couple shots to keep him at bay, and then he, he was clenching he pulled out every trick so god bless him for keeping his feet and like you were saying off the air one judge did give a 10-8 which without a knockdown you can do the 10-8 and i'd say if there's any round that deserved a 10-8 without a knockdown it would have been this one like i didn't score a 10-8 but i could also see how it would be because it was miraculous that he kept his feet yeah see i didn't think it was 10-8 i could like i understand that you can do it and i understand that he did get stunned like i was even like oh my god he just turned this around but in that 10th round you know what it reminded me of a lot was that first or the uh loma versus teofimo fight where loma just took too long he took right. too long to step on the gas and he kind of gave the fight to Teofimo and you don't want to take anything away from Teofimo. But at the same time, it's like, ah, uh, like, when is this dude going to do what we know he can do? And this was the 10th round for Charlo where he just took so long and there were, you know, two rounds before that, maybe three could have, you know, gone either way. But man, like Charlo just took so long. Had he done this, what he did in this round earlier in the fight, he would have taken the fight. Problem is, he didn't do it. And Correct. I think he just couldn't figure out how to land that stuff. So then when he did, again, kind of like you said, you know, kudos to Castaño for being able to hang in there and then clear his head. Because when the round ended, that 11th starts and you're waiting for Charlo to just finish it off. The man has power. Right. And then he didn't. Like he had cleared his head by then. And Castaño, I didn't have him taking any of the rounds after that 10th, but he was able to finish off the fight. Charlo needed the knockout, not knockdown, but knockout. And his corner kept saying it. They kept, they're like, bro, you're losing this fight. Like you need to step it up. If it, his corner is even saying it, how you end up with a 117, 111 in favor of Charlo. I even went back into my, my scoring app and I changed the rounds that I thought were close and gave all of them to Charlo. And I still was short around where I'm like, how did this dude figure this score out? Like it's impossible. When you look at the rounds, there, there aren't any, for him to be able to give to Charlotte to be able to get that score. It was, I, I don't know how you would see it. And that's what I think was wrong with this fight is it had everything that was good about boxing and everything that was bad about boxing. We had an action packed fight, two dudes that were going at it. We had back and forth action where one guy is, 
you know, kind of looks like he's dominating. And then the other guy is it, it had everything that you want from the fighters. So for everything to go bad from the other people, you know what I mean? Like when it's out of the fighters hands and it comes down to the judging or even like it felt rigged before the fight even started. Like they didn't have a promo video for Castaño at all. Like no interview, no anything. And then they have this long video about Charlo and how he's, you know, the lion or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it was in his hometown, so it was expected to go that way. You know, Castaño had to know going into it that he had to put on an, a hell of a performance to get the win. And I think that he did, you know, like, yeah, it was I think still even enough to win because like you said, it took way too long for Charlo to get going. And here's the one other punchline that I'll say that existed on this card is our guy, Mario Ranallo. I like him. I do. (laughs) But at one point he said, uh, oh, you gotta be, you gotta be careful because, uh, Charlo is a lot like Deontay Wilder. He could be looking down on the cards, but he could land that white hand at any time. All right. It's cute. Um, (laughs) but it's not accurate. Okay. Like Charlo has power, but not that ridiculous power. That not that yeah. You can't compare a guy who's got just over 50% KO rate to a guy with an over 90% KO rate. It just, you know, I'm sure if other people at home are like, oh yeah, that sounds right. No, it's if you look at the math, it's really not right. So yeah, it I don't know. The whole thing, I, I like Charlo. You know, I, I like him and his brother. I think, you know, they're both really good fighters. It's Absolutely. Cool story having, you know, the twins and everything like that. All of that is cool. But <laughs> the setup to everything. And then I don't know if you saw during the day where people started saying that the fight was getting canceled. That it I had did been, see that because of the glove gate or something like that. Yeah. He had like something was wrong with Charlo's with his gloves and he didn't have backup gloves. And then, of course, everybody is messaging like, of course, he has backup gloves. Every fighter has backup gloves. And Castaño, who's from Argentina, is and doesn't really speak English. His English is super, super broken. He said that he had never seen anything like this, where he had no idea what was going on. There was just chaos. Like, am I going to fight? Am I not going to fight? All of that stuff for this big of a fight. Like, this was a unification fight for all the belts. You know, that's a rare thing in the four belt era. And so for for their, you know, for them to be getting in your head and you be wondering, oh, am I even fighting tonight? Like, are we going to be able to? go get Whataburger, you know, like to have that confusion thrown in that sucks. Like you're trying to get mentally prepared. And then for just hours before the fight, Thompson have it thrown into question. It was like, there was so much shenanigans and so much BS that it made, it made the U S seem unprofessional, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to this country to fight. And then there's just all this weird chaos happening. It's what's wrong with boxing. You know what I mean? I'm sure he had people for that though. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure he was still sticking to his routine. And that's what you have your manager for. That's what you have, you know, like they can worry about the outside drama where you just have to concentrate on your timing, you know, like stick to your fight day routine. I'm sure that he just had people take care of that stuff for him. You know, it was, uh, you know what I will say one of the last things I I don't want to forget to mention. I love that this was on regular showtime. Like I Mm -hmm. thought this was on a pay-per-view. I had prepared myself all day to order the pay-per-view. And then I was like having trouble finding the pay-per-view button. I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, this is just regular Showtime. This is wonderful. So Mm -hmm. kudos to Showtime for putting on a really top shelf card. I loved the all three of these fights. I would say that if they could expand it to five instead of uh, three, I'd probably like 
it even more or you know like have after the fight two of the best condense it down and after the main event you know instead of putting on a rerun of whatever show you're trying to show us you know take two of the best fights from the undercard and just present those if they're be pre-recorded but if i don't know the outcome it doesn't matter to me yeah after the fight was done and the booze came raining down on the decision, which I thought was rightfully deserved. Also, I felt like Castaño should have pressed charges. Like he should have pulled a cop into the ring and started filling out the little report and everything. So this was clearly a robbery. But despite all of that, right away, they started talking about the rematch. And to me, it feels like, duh, obviously you need a rematch to kind of settle this matter, especially because it was a draw. But it feels like that's not going to happen because of like mandatories and other things that might come up. Do you think that this rematch is going to happen or is this something that we're just never going to see? I think we're not going to see it, but I really hope that we will. I think that any organization that will put their mandatory in front of a rematch, you know, let me know which ones are going to do it so I can uh, start dismissing them as belts too. I already think WBA and WBC are uh, kind of the worst, but I really hope that they can all just step aside and let's let's unify this. Like this was a great fight. There's no mm-hmm. reason to not want to do it again. I would I I was willing to pay pay-per-view the first time. So put the second one on pay-per-view and I'll be sitting there with my popcorn and my cold beer ready to uh see it sc- scored fairly, you know. Keep yeah. uh keep 117 111 guy away from it. Keep keep Adelaide Bird away from it and uh <laughs> you know, give us give us the best judges that there are and let's do it. I was just about to say have it in Vegas, but then you would probably end up with Adelaide Bird cuz I I don't know if that might be part of it. like they were people were saying afterwards on social media, "Oh, cuz Texas and judges in Texas." But these judges were from all over. They were from Nevada, Puerto Rico, New Jersey. So it's yeah. not like you know, it was a bunch of dudes from Dallas, Fort Worth or something like it. They took people from all over. I think that this is a good setup for a pay-per-view because it was a good fight. You can't say, oh yeah, you know, Brian Castaño is an Uber Lyft driver on the side or something like this was a legit good fight. And for unifying all the belts and everything, we don't have Fury versus uh, AJ. So like, you know, let's, this can be the thing that we look for. And then we've got Canelo coming up uh, in a couple of months as well to hopefully unify everything. I like the unification of belts. Like that's the thing that I think everyone should be shooting for now. Hopefully, hopefully we see the rematch, but you know, I kind of agree. I don't, I don't know. I feel like we're going to get ripped off and not get that rematch. So we'll see. I'd say the three places I'd like to see this fight would be at uh dolphin stadium where uh, Canelo broke, uh, BJS's face that would yeah. be that would be fun kind of neutral ground for you know it's not too far from Texas and you know I guess as close to the uh, <laughs> Argentina um, Argentina as you're going to get in the United States uh, in Florida and Madison Square Garden the mecca of boxing I think mm-hmm. that that would be a fun spot or take it to the entertainment capital of the world in Las Vegas you know all three spots I could see uh, being wonderful for this rematch. So please make it happen. IBF, WBO, WBA, and WBC. Make it happen. So thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of Punches and Punchlines. We will be back next week with possibly we were just talking off air about uh, you know which shows we're going to take in. There's a show on uh, Showtime with Calvin Henderson against Isaiah Steen. Also got Joe Joyce. So hopefully we can figure out how to get that one on our TVs. But yeah, there's some some decent fights coming up this weekend. If there's any fights that anybody knows that we should be definitely keeping an eye open for this weekend, message us. You can hit us up on Instagram 
Instagram or on Twitter. Just search punches and punchlines and we will uh, definitely try and take in that fight. Cool. Yeah. Thank, let us know what's out there. If not, there's a action packed August that uh, we got plenty of fights coming up. So uh, subscribe and any new episodes will get delivered right to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Punches and Punchlines. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment, and we'll see you again next week when we break down the best fights with a sense of humor.